Savvy Saps podcast on call-in. This is episode 12. Tonight's discussion is right-wing smears. Recently, leftist podcasters have been smeared as right-wing for agreeing with conservatives on some issues. What are your thoughts about this? I'm going to go ahead and take the first caller, which is Eric. Hey, Savvy, can you Hey, Savvy, can you hear me? I can. Hey, thank you so much for uh, having the call. And I actually think this is a great feature. And as you continue to use this, uh, you know, the engagement back and forth with your audience is what's going to continue to allow you to grow. And it's very dynamic. It's not static like, you know, some of the other uh, older podcasters on the left or the progressive side. So I just want to say thank you for doing that to allow us to, to speak to you. Uh, but, you know, I think that as far as the uh, these left podca- podcasters being smeared, I think that's just more uh, par for the course because uh, it's a way to create conflict. It's a way to diminish anything that they're saying so that audiences, you know, are conflicted and not believing them in what they're saying. And then it can be propagated by other shows. So one show says it. Then another show will pick it up, and then pretty soon, collectively, the message becomes ex-podcaster, ex-leftist show host is now isolated, and they're confined or they're, uh, you know, labeled ex, you know, they're they're doing something on the right wing. Well, clearly, they're not doing that at all. Uh, You know, today I had a conversation with one of my really dear friends who's an engineer, who's a really smart guy, uh, and he you know, corporatists work for a big uh, company, but he comes from meager, uh, you know, beginning, so to speak, kind of like myself a little bit. But it's interesting as I speak to him, but he, what he sees with the Ukraine war and what's happening is kind of like this smearing of the, of the podcasters on the left. Even though he's intelligent, even though this guy is successful, he's worked hard to get to where he's at and so forth. The message that he receives from the mainstream media is so strong, he accepts it without understanding why he, he's accepting it. And when I push back and challenge just a few things, like today I just, I just let, let him talk, say what he was going to say. But I wanted to challenge and just you know, very softly ask him some questions, like who are your, who's giving you this message? Where are those experts that are giving you all this info? Where is that info coming from? And then he kind of broke down and got a little bit defensive and ultimately started to say that, you know, why do I hate America? Why am I against America? And, and, you know, know, what do I say to that? You know, so what I say to that to him was like, no, I actually love America. And it's because I'm challenging the narrative of the mainstream media that I love it because America is supposed to stand for what's best in humans, for the possibility of being the best. But that's not what we're doing, and that's not what we've been doing, but that's why we challenge it. And and that's what we got to remind ourselves. When the left podcaster is is being smeared, it's because they're challenging the the status quo, and it doesn't fit the narrative of of the mainstream media. Nothing more. And it's a way to malign us. Uh, And I I was, unfortunately, I haven't been able to see all your shows, and you were showing a show with David uh, Serrata. I may be saying his name wrong, but... You know, even even the guys that are supposed to be on our side, they also sort of uh, sheep goat people 
to the dams. And even then, even these guys that are supposed to be more on our side are, are truly not, you know, at the end of the day, they still ask you to vote for the dams. So it's a very precarious position that we're in. You know, how do we get beyond just our collective small group of people? And it's only going to be through direct action. Because, again, I go back to the conversation that I had with this guy who's extremely smart. I respect the guy. I know him since I was a kid. But he can't see what I'm seeing. And and, and uh, to his credit, he acknowledged to me, which I think a lot of people would, when I asked him, you know, why are we in the Ukraine? Why is the U.S. there? And, and then he basically said, for self-interest. We're there for our own interest. So then I said, well, then why, you know, why do you push back on what I'm telling you? Because we're not there to help these people. And it's the same way that they smear the left podcasters. Same thing. It's all related. Yeah, I have to say it's it's been rather disappointing to see other left podcasters smear left podcasters as right wing. Um, and I mean, I would need hardcore like evidence for that. Right. Like if just because you agree with someone on the right about something does that necessarily make you right wing? No, I don't think so. And I mentioned this earlier on RBN. I think we need to change our framing. When we talk about some of these quote unquote progressive issues, Medicare for all, uh, canceling student loan debt, free public college, I think we need to start referring to these issues as class issues and not left right issues. And the reason why I say that is because when you look at something that was a part of Build Back Better, excuse me, a part of the um, the uh, American Rescue Act, which was the child tax credit. Okay, so you have the Republican Party that says that they are the party of family values. They should have been for that, but they were against it because it was a partisan issue. Meanwhile, the child tax credit is a class issue. And I think. All these other issues that we've been fighting for, they're really class issues. Medicare for all, free public college, free community college, uh, canceling student loan debt. These are actually class issues. And we have allowed the Democratic Party has taken them in because Bernie ran through the Democratic Party. And the Democratic Party has watered down the progressive movement. And now anybody can like call themselves progressive. But long story short, We need to rebrand these issues and call them class issues. And that's how you're really going to get more support for it. Because at the end of the day, if you're poor, who are these issues going to benefit? People who are poor, working class, and middle class. Wealthy people don't need to cancel student loan debt. Wealthy people already have health insurance. Wealthy people don't need free college. So I think if we were to frame it that way, I think we would be more successful. And and also consider the fact that if Bernie Sanders would have ran as an independent in 2020 and framed it that way as class issues, I think it would have got across to a lot more people. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, some of the first call-ins where I got a chance to speak to you, I was telling you how much we need charismatic, strong leaders that are not going to fold. Almost like, I want to say, you know, like soldiers or or captains that are going to go out there and really put themselves out there for us. Uh, Those first leaders that are going to come out of the left, if we are fortunate to see them, along with direct action, are going to be those people that are going to put themselves out there and sort of put their necks on the line. Because, I, I, you know, the more that I see when I talk to people now, the more that I'm aware. And I think this is something else that I've also thought about recently was we, we have to give people a break. 
because, you know, it took me time to realize what I know today by listening to you and others. I made a lot of mistakes and I continue to make them. So there's going to people, we, we can't say you're over there. So therefore I can't get what you know. I was there too. I was right where you were thinking the way you were thinking. So I need to figure out a way to bridge that gap, whether it's slowly, whether it's through introducing people, maybe sharing something with them, whatever it is, because it's going to be a slow, slow uh, you know, path to get there. So we have to figure out ways to really connect with other people, uh, just like you know, you guys talk about all the time, Savvy, because it's going to be very difficult. I mean, just having this conversation with this guy today, just made me realize that much more and made me look at myself to say, hey, you know what? It took me a long time to get here. So I, I got to figure out another way uh, and, and we got to come together. I'm, I'm hoping that as we hopefully get out of this, uh, you know, the, the whole COVID uh, pandemic, that we can get together with people like you and actually see people face to face. Because I think also that's going to create more energy behind us. You know, if actually we see each other, we connect. I, I really think that that's going to bring more people together as well. But thank you, Savvy. Thank you for letting me talk. Thanks so much, Eric, for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller. Okay, Brent, you are the next caller. You just have to unmute. Hi. Can you hear me? I can. Hi. So um, I'm a huge Jimmy. I heard about you from Jimmy Dore. I'm a huge Jimmy Dore fan. And um, I attend all his shows in person. And, um, yes, but my, I have a huge a disagreement with him on th one particular issue. So, um, it's interesting that your topic is about, um, podcasters being smeared as white, uh, wingers. Um, I think some of that is kind of deserved in terms of the Ukraine war, because, um, I listen to Jimmy constantly. I watch all his videos with Aaron Mate and like he has someone named Jackson Hingle on, on his show. And they, they always talk about the negatives that Ukraine is, is the neo-Nazism, um, the Azov battalion, the, the killing the Donbass, um, what other corruption in Ukraine, um, encroachment on NATO, all the negatives about Ukraine and the U S um, helping them encouraging them to fight with russia and and they always claim that they're anti-war but not once did they ever mention that russia was wrong for what they did so that to me shows to, is proof to me that they're trying to get right-wing support and money and one of the podcasters in particular, Jackson Hinkle, explicitly told me to my face in person that he, he, he believes that he, when I asked him, um, do you believe that the Russian war, are you pro-Russia? And he said, do you support the, the Russian war invasion of Ukraine? He said, I do. And that to me show is proof that they're trying to get um, the support from the pro-Russian People And I feel like some of that criticism is justified. And Aaron had a, a, a call in like this and I talked to him and he kept, he kept on justifying like the war, like what Ukraine was do, like the negative of, of Ukraine. And I feel like if I were to ask you right now, um, was Russia j justified 
in invading Ukraine? I mean, you would give me a pretty straight answer, right? I mean, so that's where I feel like that's where some of the criticism of, of left-wing uh, podcasters is coming from. Well, I, I'm anti-war, so I don't believe in this conflict at all. Like, But at the same time, I want to be very clear, all three countries are at fault. It's not right. just Ukraine. Absolutely. It's, not just Russia, it's also the United States government. They're all at fault. So that being right. said, like, I don't agree with this conflict at all, but I also don't agree with the fact that our, our government is giving billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine when we need help right here in the United States. So I, I really don't agree with that. I don't like the way the government's handling the money. And I, I also want do want to say in reference to the Ukraine issue, the mainstream media narrative about this conflict has not been completely true. And I think where left independent media or just independent media in general is supposed to come in and try to debunk that and give you the information that's being left out. And so do I think it's okay that we're giving money and and weapons to Ukraine? No, I don't. Because again, I don't believe in war. It is what it is. Ukraine is not going to win. And the United States government knows that. So why are we giving them money? When we should be giving people right here money, we have a baby formula shortage. We have a food shortage here in this country. Gas prices are high. So the American people are not taken care of, but we have money to take care of someone else. So I think, again, I personally, I'm I'm not in favor of war, period. And I I damn sure am not in favor of Nazis. So the mainstream media sit up here and try to sugarcoat this battalion it's been very frustrating, and so many people have been propagandized by it. Everybody's got these little flags in their Twitter bio and their Twitter <laughs> byline. They don't even know what it means. You talk to half of these people, they can't even point out Ukraine on a map. So <laughs> there's, there's a lot of like propaganda. And so where's that same compassion and consideration for people in Somalia? Where's the Somalia flag in everyone's uh, Twitter handle? Where is the flag for Palestine? You don't see it. So I think I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to debunk. I can't speak for Jackson, but I think they're trying to debunk that mainstream media narrative. Right. I understand that. But like Russia was like they started all of the I mean, not when uh, when I say started, I mean, like the invasion, like they didn't have to invade like that. Like if they if they didn't invade this whole issue wouldn't be in the media constantly. We wouldn't have the, like the people with the Ukraine flags, all that stuff. Like if Russia started the war and they're flat out wrong, but at the same time, the United States is, is guilty because they shouldn't be funding a war that does not affect them directly. They should be using that money here at home. And when I hear complaints that you can't there's not enough money for medicare for all or or other issues at home i see how much they're they're donating to ukraine it's just ridiculous but the fact that it's so hard for some of these podcasters to acknowledge that the that the mainstream media was right in that russia was wrong to invade i just find that kind of are they grifting for uh, pro-Russia support. I mean, why why is it so hard for them to acknowledge that Russia is also pro-war? That's where my issue. They, where, 
where are you getting the narrative that Russia, where are you getting that from that Russia started it? Because the conflict has been an issue for the past eight years. No, no, they, 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 because I'm getting, because they, they didn't have to invade the country itself. There were other means to, I I understand what you're going to mention, like the, the issue, the, uh, in Donbass, the killings in Donbass, um, the the breaking of the minks agreements i mean all those things in terms of the conflict yes it started eight years ago but in terms of the actual invasion of going into a country and start killing people that started a few months ago but you in terms of when the conflict the the conflict between russia and ukraine that started eight years ago you're right in that respect but in terms of the actual invasion going russia going into ukraine and fighting that started in february so i so i feel like that invasion was unjustified there's the reasons that um the left podcast mentioned about like the donbass and neo-nazism those i feel don't justify russia going into ukraine and bombing cities and countries and killing innocent people. That's just my take. I don't know. You might disagree. But again, where did you get that, that talking point from? Because you do know that most of the people in that region are ethnically Russian. So that's what I'm asking. Yeah. Where 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 did you get that talking point from? Did you get that from mainstream media? The invasion, the, well, the, the difference between the, I'm talking about the actual invasion of that, like, Ukraine didn't directly attack Russia, but they, they did attack the, so killing ethnic Russians, but they're Ukraine citizens, I mean, does that justify war, an invasion? I don't, that's the issue, I like, does that really justify invasion? I mean, we might disagree. The majority of the people in that region are ethnically Russian. So how are you invading the territory where the majority of the people there are like you? I, I'm going to I'm going to bring up a point here that someone just point, put it as a super chat. Thank you for this, Tom. The caller is not informed about NATO's initiative. I'm initiative and expanding, forcing Russia to do what it needs to do to protect its border. Thank you for that, Tom. So that's why I'm, that's why I asked you that. Like, where did you get that talking point from? Because mainstream media isn't giving you the history. Oh no, I'm aware. I'm aware of the the, the non like the they're Ukraine. They're ethnically Russian, but it occurred in Ukraine. Like in Donbass is Ukraine, correct? Right. Is Donbass? Donbass is in Ukraine. So I disagree with what the Ukraine. Like I, Ukraine is not innocent in here. Let me be very clear. They're not very innocent. They're not innocent, but. If we if if we start invading, if the United States starts, in, I mean, the United States is has committed many war crimes. So I don't know if that's the best example, but let's say the United States started invading, I don't know, Mexico or Canada because they started do they started um, harming their people. I mean, it's it's a I think it's a, a precedent that's very dangerous to use that as justification to go into another country and invade it. I mean, we might disagree, but I mean, that's how I feel. 
I, I highly recommend looking up more research about this. I, all I can tell you is this. I still don't think that's a reason to call someone right wing. They're giving you the facts that are being left out by mainstream media, which I think is important for people to hear. No, no, no. So, the, the being right wing is not necessarily it shouldn't be labeled as a necessarily a bad thing. They, I think when they mean when they call someone a right wing, they, they're saying that they're that the left like the podcasters are trying to uh, appeal to white wingers to get monetary support or some kind of support from them. Because to me, I don't know how you could be anti-war yet support the Russian invasion. Those things don't go together to me. And I've heard all the re- like the encro- encroachment of NATO. I've heard. And I feel like, although I disagree with that, like doing that is bad because it's in provoking war with Russia. We don't want nuclear war. I feel like if countries want to defend themselves, that is their right. But at the same time, they should be careful because you, in reality, Russia might be angry and they might start World War Three. So it's kind of like a... It's a very difficult situation, but I feel like countries should have the right to defend themselves. But the reality is Russia might disagree and they might start World War Three, whether we like it or not. So it's kind of a, a sticky situation, in my opinion. But people joining NATO and the encroachment of NATO, I, I personally don't feel like that's a justification for Russia to invade. But this isn't just about Russia, Ukraine. Brianna Joy Gray was smeared recently all over Twitter, and that had nothing to do with Russia, Ukraine. It was because no, no, she what? agreed with something that Tucker Carlson said. So this isn't the first time that like Jimmy Dore and you know Jackson Hico have received right wing smears. They received those smears before this this conflict started. Oh yeah, so yeah, I understand, and, and some of that is unjustified. But I'm, I'm saying, I'm talking about in terms of the 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 criticism they receive regarding the war. I feel like, to me, if if you you claim you are anti-war, which I, you can't support the Russian invasion. That's just my like. You can't. I understand what Jimmy is saying. What Jimmy is saying is, I looked it up. It's it's absolutely spot on. But at the same time, you have to be able to be willing to admit that the Russian invasion itself, not what they, what happened before, but the invasion itself is pro-war. And it, sh- it should not be uh, supported, in my opinion. But at the same time, the United States and Ukraine, they need to look at what they're doing. And it's particularly the United States, since I'm a U.S. citizen. So they, the United States need to look at what they're doing and, and see that they're they need to support their citizens here at home. Okay, Brent. Well, thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to go to the next caller. Oh, sure. All right. Thank you. All righty. All right. Okay, Greg, you are the next caller. Really quick, I do want to go ahead and address uh, Tom's super chat. Thank you for this, Tom. NATO has been expanding for over 20 years. Russia has been patiently, obviously, as excuse me, obviously he does not notice. Thank you so much for the super chat, uh, Tom. And thank you for the super chat, KJX. Leftists who automatically assume that other leftists who disagree with them are automatically grifting for right-wing support or something are weird. Thank you so much for that. Okay, Greg, you're on the mic. Yeah, so... um 
Yeah. So, I mean, from what I've heard, uh, uh, from what, just to kind of respond to the last caller, what I've heard from Jimmy, I think is pretty measured. I agree with him on most things, uh, with regards to Russia, U- Ukraine. I think that the, uh, the issue that, um, some might have is with him not focusing on both sides of things. It's like, it's, it's a, his counterbalance approach. But I think that honestly, that what he's, the substance of what he's saying, I don't think Jimmy is cheering on Russia. I think that Jackson Hinkle kind of is sometimes, and I disagree with Jackson Hinkle, but I don't think that like, I disagree that with the idea that that proves that they are, just going for certain audience or or demographics or are just being grifters. I think that it could be more simple than that. They could just think that, and that's different from what I think and get over it. Like as far as like, um, uh, you know, it's, but, and all, um, but as far as the more big picture, you know, I think that what's driving the smears of podcasters as being right wing for agreeing with conservatives, um, I think it's just a simple, it's a simple matter of, uh, you're against me. So I'm going to, uh, call you the, 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 our, our common enemy. I'm just going to say, point point out whoever the bad guy group is and just throw that at you because it's just, I'm just generically coming after you. So I think it's, it's, it's a lot more, it can be a lot more simple than, you know, some people are saying it's not necessarily a, a CIA plot or anything, but maybe it could be, but that's, that's my take on that. And this, this, it happens every time too. Like I remember the March for Medicare for all, like I, I uploaded, um, a video of me and others chanting in Boston, um, you know, healthcare is a human right. This is why we have to fight. And someone retweeted me and said that this is just like the people down at Charlottesville. It's like, no matter what, like anyone on the left side of the spectrum, who's not exactly where you are is going to just throw right wing at you. And you just kind of have to deal with it. Unfortunately. Do you think that people are necessarily right wing if they agree with something that a conservative person says? Like if if a conservative person and let's say a leftist both agree on universal health care, shouldn't they work together for that common cause? Or do you think that that means that they're they're moving to the right? Oh, I the former by a long shot. They should absolutely work together for the common cause. Um, It's way more like political affiliations are way more complicated than just saying left versus right, even though that's how we all frame it. And in reality, it's a, you know, it's a big blob of Venn diagrams and you can't get far enough with just working with the people that agree with you, even on most issues you have to, um, just find the overlap of that issue across the political spectrum. So, but yeah, I, I absolutely don't think that that automatically means you're moving right. I mean, if you, if you can like list out someone, all the, all of the issues and say like, look on, on these 20 different issues, they're conservative on, you know, 17 of them, then okay. You can say they're moving to the right, but just on when they're agreeing just on specific issues, like I think that people need that, the freedom to not necessarily stick with their ideological bubble when, um, and they should be, people have the freedom to look at issues on a case by case basis. All right. Thanks so much for calling in, Greg. I'm gonna go to the next caller. 
Okay, Cool Blue, you're the next caller. Hello, Sabrina. Hello. I did that right this time. Um, I was born in 1971. I'm going to turn 51 this coming August. And I have been conscious of political realignments, electoral realignments. I was born when Richard Nixon, Republican, was president. And my first two decades of life, the Republicans won four out of five election cycles, where Jimmy Carter was the only one from the Democratic Party who won once. And the Republicans had a period of winning seven out of 10 elections from 1968 to 2004. And I mention this because during that period, the Republicans maligned lots of the Democrats by using the, the political term liberal as being very dirty to basically communicate to the, to the American people that this was unacceptable, unacceptable thinking. Now the Democrats have won since 2008, Barack Obama, they've won three out of the last four cycles, 2008 to 2020. And historically, if a political party won three out of four presidential election cycles, likely it's a realignment period in favor of that particular party. And if this is the case, the Democrats are now using right wing or right winger as a dirty term for some people that this is not acceptable. What I'm thinking is that this doesn't change the fact that people need to be thinking from one issue to the next, no matter how they may fall on the political spectrum with this particular issue or that particular issue. I also want to thank you and I want to thank Captain Jay for the recent videos about reformist leftists. Uh, David Sirota, who was born four years after me in 1975, I think one thing that Captain Jay might not have known, it may be true with you, I don't know. David Sirota, from what I remember, may have worked on the 2004 and or 2008 gubernatorial campaigns for Brian Schweitzer, who is a Democrat who was elected and reelected to the governorship of Montana in both those years. So I look at David Sirota as being somebody who's had inside experience working in Democratic Party politics. And this talk lately from David Sirota and any of the others like Jordan Sheridan is just me of just figuring that their bottom line in the end, they're with the Democrats. And that's also the conclusion that I reached with a lot of the people with Jimmy Dore's force of the vote who were not wanting to push for the members of the quote-unquote squad to get Nancy Pelosi to bring to the floor of the U.S. House a vote on Medicare for All. I just looked at them as a lot of bottom-line Democrats in the end. That's, that's not being a political ally. It's not fighting for what you actually believe needs to happen. So in a lot of this talk, I have, I have to basically take this as it comes, one issue followed by the next and not worry so much about being conscious of whether this makes you look like a left winger, a white, a right winger, a progressive, or what have you. I'm gonna pretty much leave it at that. Thank well you. said. Thank you so much, Cool Blue. Thanks so much for calling in. All right, gonna go over to Lance. You're the next caller. Just gotta hit unmute. 
Yes, Abby. Glad to hear on the louder. Um, I can hear. Okay, yeah, you were hard to hear. Other people were saying that too. Um, but anyway, yeah, great to talk to you again. And um, I, you know, this whole thing is so crazy. But you know, if you think about like when I grew up. The, the most racist people in government were, were Democrats, unreconstructed racists. You know, I mean, uh, what was it? Wallace got like some electoral votes. He got like 20 percent of the whatever of the vote. And he st- he stepped away from his segregation all the time. But that was just to, you know, so he could become more a little more mainstream. He was still the same guy. And so the idea that things are so left and right, it's just goofy. You know, of course, you work with conservatives. You know, you work with whoever whoever's going to work with you. Who the heck cares? You know? And by the way, I don't know, man, but what happened to Glenn Greenwald? I think he's not just criticizing. And not that he's ever said he's a lefty, but he's, you know, twin sons of a different mother from Tucker. I don't know. That's just weird. Speaking of, you know, podcasts that are being called right wing, I held out to the bitter end. But he's really, you well, know, did, I don't know. Can I jump in for just for a second? Did um did Glenn Greenwald ever say he was liberal? I don't remember him saying that. No, 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 no. That's I just said that. He never claimed he was a liberal, but he's embracing. He said that Tucker Carlson never said the word replacement theory. I mean, he said that Tucker Carlson never used the term replacement theory. Okay. And somebody chimed in because it was a glitch and I got like cut off. I was on with him for 10 minutes back and forth. Savvy, you know, Matt Stover, big deal. I got the best of him on a talk about China just because he's an important journalist and he's great with trust. Big deal. It wasn't his ballywick. But boy, you want to hear 10 minutes of, of weirdness, man. I mean, he wouldn't, he, he just draw me, he, he turned me into a straw man, made me, you know, from the Wizard of Oz and then dragged me through a few pigeonholes. It was crazy. I mean, he didn't address what I said. It was so disingenuous. I couldn't believe it. And if you want 10 minutes, it's at the, like the 140 mark or whatever, that thing two, 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 you know, sessions ago. But he, and somebody had to chime in. Uh, Glenn, you know, he just did recently say that, uh, you know, uh, that yeah, you know about replacement and all that replacement theory, and it you know that about wanting obedient uh, uh, voters that are going to vote our way by Biden, and and then he said when the the term the, when it was about like the dirtier and po- poorer and dirtier, when he said that it's going to make America poorer and dirtier, Tucker, Glenn said, oh no, he just meant they leave trash at the border. He didn't do that then. Tucker knew that it sounded racist and he doesn't like that. He's very careful about that. Oh, no, I meant that they leave trash at the border. He said, I'm good. We're going to make America dirtier and poorer. And Glenn defended that. I mean, he, he, he so I don't care what, I don't care if you're a, a, a honest, I don't care if it was Sajir and Jetty, right? A self-described honest conservative. He would never ascribe and, and say, yeah, you know, Tucker, yeah, no, you know, no, I don't know what he thinks of Tucker Sajir, but he certainly wouldn't deny the facts. And, and Glenn did clearly. Interesting. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, like I said, Savvy, who, what do you care about? Some anonymous person who talks on Colin once in a while. But, you know, I think I present my thoughts pretty good. But towards the end, I think it's at the 140 mark, you know, or 240, whatever it was. And for 10 minutes, he just he just talked me down. And, and I even told I said, look, I'm from I'm a I'm, I'm a WAP. That's what they called me. And we did come from the poorest area of southern Italy. Among Europeans, that's why they call us wild. Most people had at least some kind of, you know, we didn't have that. We were without papers. We were among the dirtiest supporters in that sense, right? And I said, you know, it's real. I said the Palmer raids were horrific. But that was based on real bombings by real anarchists that mostly came from, uh, you know, East, you know, from Central East, Eastern Europe and, and Southern Europe. 
because that was a real hotbed for very radical socialist anarchist stuff. And I said, so you're talking about people that are just coming across and getting benefit. I said, based on what, what, and Glenn didn't respond to this. I said, you know, Tucker, my people would never have gotten any, and I'm second generation Italian. My grandfather came over on the boat. We wouldn't have gotten anywhere near Ellis Island based on what Tucker's saying about assimilation, right? And he said, oh, I said, you know, I said, yeah, Tucker doesn't care about race if you're a successful, or, you know, you're, you're from a, a, a country that's where it's black people, people of color, as long as they're, you know, assimilated and doing good. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, he loves those situations. He says, yeah, successful people of all colors can, can do well and be entrepreneurs and stuff like that. But he completely glossed over my point. And I texted him. He didn't respond. I said, my people came over penniless. And I even explained to him that my uncle, they were digging ditches for the hugely, huge expansion after the Erie Canal. And they worked in digging ditches. Then my uncle, long story short, he started doing ethnic foods, Hungarian, Irish, and Italian foods in a little truck to the workers law. And then he had a nickel, a plate uh, spaghetti and, and nickel beer. He wound up having a four level, you know, fancy restaurant. I mean, the mayors and everybody at the time came and he had to close it after uh, prohibition and he became a prominent insurance salesman, a real estate person, but he didn't start like that. And this is what I said to Glenn. Don't they have to immigrate poor and, 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 and don't know English first, right? They, they didn't, they didn't start out being entrepreneurs and shift their business over from Ghana or from Bhutan, we have a lot of refugees in my town. You know, they had to start poor and dirty. And he didn't respond to that, right? And I think it's a pretty good point about how the Italians, when we came over, we were among you know, some of the best people, or you know, whatever you want to say. You know, we, we succeeded finally and assimilated, but not right away. And a lot of our people were bombers and anarchists and all that stuff. And I said, you know, as far as the, the, the uh, this assimilation thing, I said, I'll take a 100 random high school students, okay, uh, from around the country. And I'll take a hundred random second language people of color immigrants, right? English is a second language. We'll give both sets of hundred people the citizenship test. And this is random students now. They can become from poor city, rich, white, you know, white, black, uh, American kids, students, random. I will uh, bet a month. I'll bet, I'll bet I'm just to make sorry. the point. I said, I'll bet 10% of my, 10% of my assets to 10% of yours, uh, Tucker. Who do you think is going to win that test? Who do you think is going to do better on that test? Of course, nobody would argue that the immigrants would do 10 times better. So there's his idea of assimilation into American traditions and values. I'll stop there. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Thank you, Lance. I, I got a lot of callers lined up, so I do want to move on to the next one. Yeah. Anyway, Glenn's, you know, um okay uh john you're next on the mic can you hear me yes awesome how you doing uh sab um so i've been listening to you a lot i I discovered you a couple months ago i've really enjoyed what you've had to say you know after spending a good amount of times you know listening to the to the young turks and the uh, secular talks and the humanist report and the you know uh, rising you know or, or now burning points you know I, I listened to the book, you know for the longest time and uh, um then you know, I find Jimmy I, I started agreeing more with Jimmy I found myself agreeing more with Jimmy Dore and um, and uh, you know and other people like you know Graham Elwood um, is a good uh, a uh, person uh, to listen to as well. I, I mentioned him to you on the show. He actually didn't hear about you until I uh, until I mentioned you. Um, so you, you know, hopefully you guys can, you know, you guys do like have 
Ron Bocconi on sometimes. And, you know, so my, you know, so going through all these, you know, pushing the Democrats left now, now I am kind of like in a position where I'm like really like anti-duopoly. I, I really don't want to vote for either of the major parties anymore. But the only, the only thing that really concerns me with, you know, I would call, call myself like a, a swing third party voter because, you know, I'm really interested in what the Green Party are doing. I'm really interested in what the People's Party are doing. I'm really interested in what Andrew Yang's Ford Party is doing. And I'm starting to wonder, like, you know, is there going to be a point where there's too many parties where it just kind of becomes front loaded? And, you know, because my parents, you know, were third party voters. You know, they were really into Ralph Nader. I remember one year my dad actually supported Roseanne Barr. And I was like, I was like, it was a paradigm shift. I was like, you know, why, why vote for people who can't win? You know, I, I'm going with Obama. And then, you know, after, I think after 2016, I was like, you know, I, Bernie kind of woke me up and just, you know, re- made me realize, yeah, these, these parties, these old timers, you know, that are out of touch, like Clinton, Trump, and all these people, Biden, they're just, they're out of touch with young people. And I just really just disassociated myself. And I, I just, all my friends are like, you know, blue checkers and they, I get all this peer pressure and, um, so I'm really at a, a crossroads right now, and I, I hope, you know, I know we got to focus outside electoral politics. I called Lauren, uh, Laura um, from, from Red Berets uh, about, you know, my friend who passed away a couple weeks ago. He was, you know, before he passed away, he was still, like, of, like, supporting the Justice Democrats and most of the, uh, you know, the Young Turks and people out there. Um, yeah, I was already, we were, even when we disagreed, you know, I, I respected, you know, they still felt like the Democrats could push left even when I disagreed. But, you know, the both thing we both agreed on most of all was we really want a single payer healthcare in this country. And, you know, he told me, he told me a story about how even though he had health insurance uh, with a job, um, he still had to pay out of pocket for surgery. And it's just, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to go on a tangent. I don't want to uh, too long, but, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, I'm finding something like you has been really therapeutic for me. And, um, you know, just thank you for you're doing, you're doing God's work, Sabi. Um, and I really appreciate, um, uh, you, uh, you know, doing your show on a daily basis, even though it's not a full-time job. So I really, I got to just really commend all the respect and yeah, you know, I just, you know, I'm glad. Thanks for giving me a platform to tell my story. Awesome. Any anytime, John. Thanks so much for calling in. Yeah, my pleasure. I'll come on again soon. All righty. I am going to give him the I can't see your whole name, but you're next to the mic. You just gotta unmute. Hey Sabby, can you hear me? Uh you're a little bit low. How about now? Yes. Okay, so uh, uh, as it's given them boot and uh, boot for short, uh, I just want uh, to say, like I said, this thinking uh, stream not too long ago, just saying that, like you know, you Sabi and RBN, like you know, just you know, when I see you guys doing stuff and starting, like I'm like, you know what, I can. I can start to do some stuff, and I get to see it, like, gives me some hope, you know, and just, I start thinking new things, I start uh, considering, oh, well, maybe start a co-op, start this or that, or, you know, how can I help, how could I also in my life do stuff more green and such, so I just want to thank you, and RBN, uh, and just, I guess with the topic, just want to say, like, when it comes to this, 
right wing smear nonsense. It's like I listened to before I saw your show. I watched the in- interview that uh, uh, Brianna had with uh, Irami, the funky academic, and they had the discussion about that. And I mean, like between what you what they did on breaking points, I kind of I I agree with your take on. It. I think she could have handled it better. Uh, with some of the wording, but in general, you kind of understood where she was coming from. Like, there's no way even close she's a right-winger. It's just like, anybody that's propping up the war saying, let's send more weapons, send more guns. That's the nonsense. That's the right-wingers. uh, Yeah. Well, there's like a group of people, I think, that's just sitting by waiting for you to say something that even can give them an inkling of that, so they can smear you with that reference. And it's mainly these people that um, still want to practice the strategy of putting progressives in the Democratic Party. They're the main ones that end up doing it. They're like, oh, they're trying to do direct action. Oh, my God. They're trying to do activism. They're right wingers. Look at them. They're not real. And, and in reality, they're the ones who are lazy and don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. You're totally, you're totally yep. right. It's like, it's... Yeah, it's like they ain't gonna do it for us. We got to do it for ourselves. That's that's it. It's like I, I just don't like. I can't see another path anymore. It's like uh, electoral politics is not just complete bullshit. But uh, I mean, I think they were. I heard a previous caller was saying like you know about how different things have been. It's like like with uh, different ethnic groups, their families come. It's like my family is Puerto Rican. It's like everybody like. But you'd be like my entire family just like is on that side of the family. They're all con- conservative, like except for like the youngest, like of my generation, is it? They're all conservative. So it's like I don't see like making an argument that like from for example would agree. It's like really, it's like she was saying like don't it doesn't make sense. Like you could get just as many conservatives who getting more people. I mean, obviously Puerto Ricans are from their citizens, but. Cuba, it's like, come on, it's, and uh, I guess the last thing I had to say was just about, like, uh, was the previous call was mentioned about Aaron Mate, I, I listened on that, that call in, and he pretty straight up said, he's like, look, I, com- I condemn what Russia is doing, so it's like, it's not like he's pro-Russia or anything, there's no way he... He's pro Russia. Like he, he called it out. He's like, this is like I'm against all war. It's like so. Just saying, like using the right wing uh, nonsense is just gonna push you to just, just, just bullshit. You're just like tossing your allies with this shit. Unless they're really taking money from Russia or they're taking it for from big industry with bombs and shit. That's the only other way. Uh, you can see them actually, oh, well, they're a right-winger or they're a shill or they're bought off from so-and-so. So, yeah, but that's that's it for me. Thanks, Abby. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, I, I think there was definitely some misunderstanding there because that's the problem. Like, people think that if you say you're against one thing, then you must be for the... If you're against one side, then you must be for the other side. And you can say this a million times, I don't like the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. And people will still try to say, oh, she criticized Democrats. So she's, you know, secret like right winger. Like at that point, if you said this multiple times and people are still using that like talking point, it's done on purpose. And some people are just there just to smear people, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to go ahead to the next caller, which is 
Frank. Thank you so much. All right, Frank, you're on the mic. Hi. Um, I, I, I called last week about the building codes and installation, and I had sent you an email. I don't know if you've been able to, to get it. I'll also put it on your Twitter. Um, I, I did a uh, what's called a CORA open records request um, for to Emily Sirota on uh, greenhouse gas cal- calculations and um, f- for her district and through the state because she's a state representative. And mm-hmm. her, her, her district is only three blocks. Her district edge line is only three blocks from me. She lives about two miles from me. And, um, I got no, re- <laughs> she has no records of doing any due process for climate change, greenhouse gas calculations or, or anything that would, you know, uh, <laughs> on insulation. So th- this, this is something that they've ignored. And um, I've, I've done the same with David Sirota too, but <laughs> he he doesn't respond. He, they don't look up in a building, <laughs> but um, I, so I I was <laughs> they don't. <laughs> and, oh man! <laughs> and as, I did this right after the "Don't Look Up" movie came out, and I said, "Like, okay, David." I, I didn't. I didn't bother watching the movie because I, I know they're gonna not gonna address this issue. So I said, "Okay, here you go. <laughs> here's here's to your wife." And I, I sent it to him too. Emailed it to him as well. But um, I, I I did in a before COVID started. I went to a, a in person town hall of hers, and I I asked her why. Um, you're not. Uh, why aren't uh, buildings being insulated? And I, I actually expected a somewhat honest answer, and, and I didn't get one. She said that uh, um, there's not enough money to insulate schools. <laughs> and then I asked her another question of why she doesn't do her uh, legally de- mandated duties of uh, reviews of professional licenses and regulatory agencies, which they have to go through a checklist of 20 criteria and questions. And she says, well, we follow the recommendations and those recommendations are written by people paid for with corporate fees. <laughs> so they're all corporate recommendations. So I, I just thought I'd, I'd add in, in that about uh, David Sirota and his wife and how, how you know, as, as, to, as I saw your video uh, commenting on CG, CJ's uh, um uh, video before, and uh, I just thought I'd comment on that. And yeah, there, she she is someone who is definitely towing the line, doing as she's told. She doesn't rebel against them at all. She um, and she's not very vocal, you know, as you know, to 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 get progressives in like her husband is. Other other Democrats in Denver are doing that. So mm. I just thought I'd, I'd add in those stories, which are, um, you know, certainly back up with both what you and CJ were saying. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much for calling in, uh, Frank. All right. I'm going to go to the next caller in just a second. I do want to uh, shout out these super chats. Thank you so much. Let's talk about horror podcast. You create an echo chamber. If you stay with people who agree with you on everything and sometimes that won't help change things. It's a good point. Uh, Thank you for the super chat, Tom, for people to not support Russia, but yet they want to be on the side of imperialist America. Well, I guess that makes more sense. 
And thank you for the super sticker, uh, Marsha and or Marcia. I'm not sure which one, but and thank you for the super sticker, um, Abedin 71. All right. Uh, next caller is Jay. You're on the mic. Just have to unmute. I did, but I didn't have the permission set. How you doing? Good. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Uh, so in answer to the question, um, these smears are not justified in any way. And I think predominantly they're coming from uh, former Republicans themselves who are now in the Democratic Party. Um, that's why that's the majority. It's, it's they don't they, they have an intolerance. They have an intolerance for any kind of valid criticism of the left from the left. And it's like, uh, for example, um, Jane Huger, he's a, he's one, he loves to do this. He loves to smear anyone that uh, agrees with a Republican on some issue as being a Republican. He's that tribal. But I would happily put my voting record before his any day. And that's because, you know, according to Jimmy Dore, somebody who knew, knows uh, Jane Huger very well, uh, he used to be a Republican back in the day, back in the early 90s. Right. Well, if he was, if he used to be a Republican, he's bound to have a bigger uh, Republican voting record than I've got. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so I'll happily, I, it's funny how these people, they, they want to smear you as, you know, being Republican, but they would, they, they would, I, if I put my non-voting record before them, they'd, I'd really get smeared because so, they, they still believe in electoralism. So you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. But that's pretty yeah, much well, all I Go ahead. And it's not even it's not even just like Jimmy Dore. Like people are were smearing Brianna Joy Gray on Twitter yesterday because she agreed with something or part of part of what like Tucker Carlson said, but she explained it in pretty good detail. And I didn't agree with everything that she said. I disagree with her on some parts, but still, like just because she you know agreed with some part of something that he said, that doesn't automatically make her yeah. right wing. And I feel like that's where we're at in this country now. It's like you can't even agree with someone on the other side on any particular issue or that's it. They're going to smear you and call you right wing. I recall um, the um, Marjorie Taylor Greene tweet that she made against AOC about her vote for the war or, or vote for the uh, 40 billion uh, of uh, funded fund, funds going to uh, the uh, Ukrainians. I, I shared I retweeted that and, and I I. I got a, some of my friends, uh, uh, personally gave me a ration of shit over that, but I didn't care. I mean, it doesn't bother me. They would, they would blame me for the Sharon Tate murders if I didn't vote. They blame me for anything, man. Because <laughs> they, they, they're that tribal and they're that partisan. And I just, my mind don't work that way. <laughs> <laughs> it does not work that way. Um, and, and I'll, 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 I'll even, uh, confess that the only time I actually vote Republican that I have ever voted Republican is um, if if a Republican in a local election is running unopposed, like for drain commissioner or something like that, um, I would rather vote for that person, that Republican, than risk having my entire ballot thrown out 
for an undervote. Because you don't know how oh. these ballot machines are going to read the ballot. You know what I mean? And it, it's, that's the only, that's the only reason I can see justifying, you know, I would uh, vote for one. But other than that, it's mainly just basically partisan smears and tribalism from people that are intolerant of uh, any valid criticism of the left from the left. Mm. Well said. All right. Thank you so much for calling in, Jay. I'm going to go to the next caller. Yep. Okay. The next caller is. Oh, that's weird. Hold on. I don't know why it's doing this. Okay, the next caller is Total. You just have to unmute. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Hello? Total. Do you hear me? Hello. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate your show. First of all, because of your so much. theme of trying to improve the world, that's what attracts me to this most of all. I soon will actually get the desired results, and I'm calling to that end. Oh, total. Uh, uh, you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me. Uh, what about now? How's now? Is now okay? No. No, you're you're breaking up pretty bad. Uh, um, how about you? Um, is now any better? I'll come back to you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Okay. Next caller is Iciest. I see dust. I yes. see. Good evening. Hello. Good evening. Hello. How are you? I'm doing good, ma'am. I'm doing good. The reason I was calling is because I feel like with everything that's going on, if you try to explain someone else's point of view, they think that you're pretty much endorsing them for the most part, which is not the case. And that whole discourse between right and left. It's just, uh, I don't think it should be because the real enemy is the, is a capitalist. And, uh, what I've noticed also is that it's going to be hard for us to change the capitalist society because I feel like it's part of like human being in general, they tend to exploit other human being. What do you think of my point of view? The uh, capitalist? Yes, because I feel like it's just human being in general. We like to exploit other human being. So it's going to be mm. very difficult for us to... Because since the advent of the earth, I don't think there was a society where everything was equal. So that's why most people... They're right outside with the capitalist because they feel like one day they... They're going to become rich too. And by becoming rich, they have access to everything. Yeah. It's, it's like the American, um, yes. Oh, what do you call it? The American dream, right? Like people think that that's what's going to happen. If they just continue to work hard that one day they'll get there too. And most people don't, uh, by the way, but I think that, uh, I'll bring up a point that I mentioned earlier on RBN. I think I mentioned earlier at the beginning of this, uh, stream as well, but, 
think we need to stop framing some of these progressive issues as progressive or left issues and start calling them class issues. And I think that would help a lot because as long as we keep framing it as it's a left issue, then some people, probably most people on the right are going to be turned off from it because they see it connected to a particular party that they're not a part of. But if you frame it as a class issue and you have some of these candidates run as independents and not through the Democratic Party, well, then you're opening up a different type of playing field. So some of the issues I'm talking about, Medicare for all, free college, uh, canceling student loan debt. Um, uh, another one we were talking about, oh, $15 minimum wage or just a living wage in, in general. I think those are all class issues. So if you, you frame it from that point, then I think it'll be easier for people to understand it that may not necessarily be leftist. But as long as we keep attaching it to progressive through the Democratic Party, we keep attaching it to the left side of things. People are going to be turned off from it if they're not a part of the left. And that will always be an issue until we change that. Right. So. That's something that I think we need to do. And if and if you look back to like FDR and the New Deal, it was the people that rose up, right? The people put pressure on FDR. It's not like one day he just woke up and said, all right, I'm going to give people all these tangibles. The people rose up and they put pressure on him. That's people from different political ideologies, different class. That's how you're going to get the change. But if we are sitting back waiting for... These politicians that we elect in D.C. through the Democratic Party or Republican Party, whatever, to actually implement change that's going to really impact our lives. Well, we're going to be waiting for the rest of our life because they don't they don't really approve anything that doesn't support corporate interests. So unless we are connected to corporate, unless we are at the top of capital, unless we are a part of the wealthy, we will not benefit from it. And this is exactly why people who are poor, for the most part, the majority of people who are poor don't get out of poverty because the government doesn't give them enough for them to get out. They only give them enough to maintain their current situation. So I think we need to change the framing and then I think it would be easier to get more people to understand where we're coming from. I think it's going to be very difficult because the system only listen when money it money it's like money talks. Would you would you would would wouldn't you say that we should have some kind of working class lobby because those politicians they only listen to money. So Right. But you're still trying to do it through the politicians. And and that that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not going to get done through D.C. Like, I really don't want to I don't want to be the the bearer of bad news here. But I do want to be a realist and I want to be honest with everyone. These these tangibles most likely are not going to happen through D.C. That's why some people have already tried to get these things done through the state doing ballot initiatives instead of waiting on people in in Congress and in the Senate to get it done. Like, for example, $15 minimum wage, uh, legalization of marijuana, those were ballot initiatives that we passed here in Massachusetts. So it just, we already knew, like, they're not, they're not going to do it. Look, we still have the minimum wage is still, what, $7.25 an hour federally? So it, it, it's 2022. Like, they're not going to, you had eight Democrats vote against a $15 minimum wage. So it's not just Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin. 
Again, it doesn't serve corporate interest. So I think we need to stop looking towards Democrats and Republicans to fix these issues for us. I don't think it's going to happen on the federal level. I think we're going to have to start implementing some of these changes through the states. That's a good point. That's a good point. Thank you. Thank you for Mm -hmm. taking my call. Thanks so much for calling in. All right. I'm going to take the next caller. And that is Andrew. Hey, Savvy. How are you? Hello. Welcome. Hey, uh, can you hear me? I can. Okay. So I was going to go off of the last caller and they were saying something about uh, lobbying uh, and using money and things revolving around money. And I wanted to um, add to that that um, there's like non-financial contributions um, that people look at and like non-financial corruption. So I think that since most people are, I mean, we're not going to raise enough money to impact elections while we do have a lot of power in uh, non-financial contributions by like creating movements, working together, helping each other out. And uh, even in in a campaign, um, there's non-financial contributions. Like if you share Facebook posts or you, you knock on doors that those are all non-financial contributions. And uh, I just think that I just wanted to mention that, that that's, I think that that is a lot more powerful than what we can do financially. And, uh, and I wanted to also, uh, point out that the, um, that this discussion that we're having is a discussion and that, uh, um, if we talk about it in terms of left or right and right wing and left wing and right wing is bad, the, the people who are on the right wing don't see themselves as being bad. I mean, people who are on the right wing, like if you look at Trump, like he at least campaigned as being against the Iraq war. People who voted for Trump voted for him because he said he was for universal health care. He said he was against the Iraq war. You know, they didn't vote for him because of him being a white supremacist or racist or whatever right winger or whatever wing he's on. They voted for him because he was against the Iraq war. And because he said, he, you know, he said the things that they wanted to hear the same as why people voted for Bernie. And, um, I think that the, the people on the right look at the left, like the so-called, you know, left like Hillary and Obama. And when they say like, Oh, I don't want to be associated with them. They're thinking about, how the uh, people died in the the embassy in Benghazi. I mean, I watched the Republican National Convention in 2016, and Donald Trump had two veterans come from the, uh, who came out of the uh, Benghazi embassy, and they told exactly what happened in uh, Benghazi, Libya. And about 14 minutes in, they said that... um, they said that the people who were trying to save the Americans out of the United States embassy in Benghazi were the Gaddafi loyalists. Okay. And so 
those are the t- uh, those are the types of things that make people go away from the Democratic Party and make the people in the Republican Party feel like they're in the anti-war party and the pro-military, you know, you know, supporting the troops party because because of that type of stuff. And and all of this right and left stuff is a complete, you know, ridiculous thing because the I mean, the people who are printing the money, the central bank, the the Rothschilds who, you know, sent uh, the Warburg family to the United States to work with the Rockefellers and whoever else to create the Federal Reserve in 1914 are the people who control what's going on. And they're the ones who are making that they're the ones who are printing money and working directly with the banking monopoly to make loans to people who are getting government contracts and receive massive interest payments on those loans. And those pe- those are the people who are benefiting from the wars. And they're, my understanding is that they benefit on both sides of the wars, that both countries are taking loans from their federal reserves and that the that you know the central banking um, is is profiting, and uh, the the purpose is to essentially distract us in the same way that we're getting distracted by the right and left wing. Uh, the uh, countries and the countries' governments are under control, and they're being distracted by the uh, war and are shipping their money to the uh, their you know central bank. And that's interesting. Interesting. Um, Well, I I like one thing that you said that I thought was uh, really interesting. And I think that some people may not think about this is that people who are on the right, they don't think they're in the wrong, just like we don't think we're in the wrong. You know, so that's it's that's a good thing. Thank you so much. Um, I do have to start wrapping up because I'm looking at the time. But thanks so much, Andrew, for calling in. Yes, Abby, I love your show. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay. Uh, total. We are going to try this again. Um, just go ahead and hit unmute. Hello. Do you hear me? Yes. Hello. Is the connection okay now? Yes. The audio. Okay. So I guess I'm going to then skip the intermediate steps and get right to the main point. Mm. I would like to ask you to do something that should have been done a while ago. I'm going to return to a discussion from March 3rd between J.B. Font and Brianna Joy Gray when they talked about switching from merely talking about fixing societal problems to actually fixing them while keeping the same relationship with their audience. They found you in exchange for you doing this public service, except now that service would be much more tangible. And they also discussed having a multifaceted team where each person is tasked according to their talents and skills which means that whatever they would like in the beginning in terms of either people or resources, other resources, they would be able to crowdsource it. So it's wonderful, but they didn't launch it. So I'm wondering if you would be willing to launch that, that kind of project. I mean, there are a lot of details, but it's all doable. Yes. If I would be willing to launch what? I'm sorry. Well, switching from merely discussing fixing societal problems to actually fixing them. And that would involve crowdsourcing that entire project, including the decision-making. 
Uh, so us at RBN, we actually have a strategy that we are working on um, right now. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, right now, uh, what we are doing is direct action and mutual aid. So Rome has tour for the poor. CJ has a mutual aid organization in California. So we all have different things that we're working on, but mutual aid is something that we're kind of working on right now. But yes, but we do have a lot more that can be and, and things like that. But, uh, I don't but like there is a lot more that about... can be done. Yeah, but there's I, a lot I more that can be done. Yeah, I, I hear you. But I, was, I wasn't finished. Yeah. So um, yeah. we have things planned that we want to do in reference to strategy and to helping people. Um, I don't like to talk about those types of things until everything's concrete and everything has been confirmed. Then I pass on that information to let people know, hey, this is what we're going to be doing. I don't like to come to people and say, hey, we're thinking about doing this. No, I like to have everything confirmed and all set. And then I let people know about it. Um, but it's probably not something I would discuss on here because you never know who's listening. Uh, okay. But thank you so uh, much for calling in. I'm going to have to go over to the I, next caller just for time's sake. Thank you. All right. Okay. Uh, next caller is Fingerman, And you're going to be the last caller because I am starting to run out of uh, storage space. So you just have to unmute. Okay, am I coming through clear? Yes. This is Tom in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I uh, use different names on the web. I'm really old school. You were a twinkle in your dad's eye before uh, when we were doing free internet stuff. Um, what I wanted to say was Kansas City Tenants is having a meeting tomorrow. It will be our first face-to-face -face meeting in quite a long time. So we're going to do it at the Trinity Church, where we usually get together at. It's on Armour and, I think, Kensington Streets in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, there will be a lot of us there tomorrow, I'm pretty sure. And it's at 3 to 5 p.m. And that was my big shout-out that I really needed to get out of the way. And just about the right-wing and left-wing stuff, I really don't like framing it that way anymore. I, I'm in farmland sometimes, a lot of times, and I go to these farmers, and I have to tell them why you know, millennials and younger kids are not going to fight for incrementalism in the Democratic Party way or the Republican Party way. It's going to need to be something like communism, and they need to come to grips with that. And it's a hard message to deliver to these old school farmers, but we're cutting bales of hay or doing farm stuff while I'm doing it. So I do know the farm uh, routines. And I'm just trying to say, when you put something up there about right-wing smears, some right-wingers are going to go, yeah, right on, right-wing smears, and be happy about it. So I uh, try to stay away from this left-wing, right-wing dichotomy and aim more at we need to get control of our government, and that includes conservatives, because many of them are anti-war, by the way. Mm. Many well, are anti-war, anti-imperialist. They might serve thank in the Army, but that doesn't mean they want to. Anyway, thank you, Sabi. Have a great night. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay. All right, Lance. Um, I already had you um, as a caller. So looking at the time, I do have to get going. But uh, I want to go ahead and end the segment on calling, and then I'll end it on YouTube. Thank you so much for everyone calling in. Go ahead and hit that thumbs up button if you get a chance. Those of you still watching on YouTube. Wow, a lot of you still watching on YouTube. Sorry. Um, definitely go ahead and hit that like button. That definitely does help with the algorithm. And I am going to go ahead and end this segment on call-in. Have a good weekend.